This is the DJ for Party One podcast. This is your host, CO45. And I wanted to take a moment to talk about this funk era of the 80s, really kind of 70s going into 80s. I guess I wouldn't have even really given it as much thought if it had not been for this Rick James Showtime documentary that I watched. And man... Rick did a lot of things. Rick Rick went a lot of places, musically and outside of music. But when we talk about Super Freak, when we talk about Mary Jane, the Mary Jane Girls, the group, um, the song, um, Cold Blooded is the album that I had. Street Life was an album that my aunt had again most of the music i will say that was like late 70s early 80s before i picked up thriller she had off the wall before i picked up cold-blooded she already had street life so a lot of albums that she had in her possession they were there when i looked at the doc on him you and i i know the song I could not have told you the title of the album at that time, the the Motown album that he had with them, because Cold Blooded is where I remember Rick James as a kid. And I would eventually end up going on to get like what I call a greatest hits type knowledge of greatest of, of Rick James. I know what the main songs are but the album itself in its totality that's gonna come up as probably like some album reviews later in future episodes because i realized that i didn't know him like that i didn't know that he was having like several albums in the early 80s almost like an album every year or every other year before we even get to the cold-blooded album so that was interesting But I look at the funk era and I realize that I bypassed a lot of it and it was a kind of like a pick and choose type thing for me. I know Fantastic Voyage, but I know it largely because Coolio sampled it. The original from Lakeside that would have dropped in 1980. I really wasn't at a place to process it like that at that time. And, you know, I would hear it as almost like on an oldie station type of thing when I'm in my preteen years. But for me, Lakeside, as I've said in another episode, Raid, that was the song that I knew Lakeside for, the song that I liked. But it was still in that funk department and for rick james cold-blooded was a song that i liked enough to get the album and i think it also had ebony eyes on it with Smokey robinson and i would say for me most of the stuff in that funk era of music it was stuff that made people dance, definitely, 
But by that time, I was already probably moving into more of the early golden era of hip hop, as you would call it. And I was darting back and forth between R&B because kid groups were coming along like New Edition, like the boys. Uh, so, yeah, most of that stuff I kind of almost left to my aunt as someone that she was buying it or she would end up getting a copy of it for someone else and would end up on like a mixtape that we were making. So that's where a lot of the George Clinton Atomic Dog that I would hear Bootsy Collins stuff. I know she had his album, Parliament albums that she had because I remember like this whole spaceship album cover and that's where a lot of her love was for these type of artists for me if i had to go into that funk realm i probably would have picked roger troutman or zap at the time as my go-to guy because that talk box was fascinating to me so naturally i would adapt quite quickly to Teddy Riley when he was using it later in 80s, 90s. But yeah, that's where I took interest in probably like a lot of the funk music where I would buy it myself probably because Roger had a song, I Want to Be Your Man, and also Computer Love, classic material right there. So yeah, that that is where I picked up on that funk vibe but when i listen to them talk about all of the songs that rick james was releasing it definitely makes me want to go back to see like the artistry of what he was doing because they talked about how he could write a song very fast they talked about how he was he seemed like he was very prolific in just making hits until the drug downward spiral starts to come into place. But I remember standing on the top. I think that was Temptations, I believe. And his sound was a signature sound. So that's what I will say when it comes to the funk movement of the 80s. Everyone seemed to be in a good place where they were able to create their own signature sounds because even without knowing who Rick James was, if you hear Super Freak and you hear Mary Jane Girls in my house, you could probably put two and two together and say, hey, is this by the same person is there the same writer in the room for this because he had that you kind of just knew what rick james was it was kind of the same way when you listen to the time even though prince was doing a lot of writing for the time when you listen to the bass line on 777 or you listen to the bass line, the groove for cool. And you get that Minneapolis sound. It's signature time. 
there there's no doubt about it when you're listening to it you you feel it and you feel like hey i'm listening to something from the minneapolis sound that type of era even though prince had his own alter ego with the time he had a minneapolis sound as well and he did the bass lines the guitars were there but he would carry it a little farther with the drum machines that he used wonderfully unlike anyone else that i can think of when you hear songs like when doves cry and he was smart enough to look at some songs where he was just taking the bass line out like you know something like kiss so it's interesting to me that Rick James would have developed the type of sound that he had and Prince was an opening act at one time for Rick James so a lot of those artists I believe they vibed off one another they kind of studied one another you know there are people that were in the band that were talking about how Rick James would perform and he would have certain things that he would say and a very young prince would steal some of those type of things and he would say those things prior to Rick James hitting the stage and that that created some tension I guess between him and Prince at that time so that's all it, it's comical in that way when I look at those two and the rivalry or whatever a young Prince and a seasoned Rick James he wasn't like a super old guy at that time but he did have a little bit of a run before he got into the business where he where he was a hit maker so yeah there's the time that he spent in the brig as the draft dodger there's time that he was in canada and he was the only black man in a group so he he definitely carved out his own style it was time where he worked at motown and he didn't like the slow pace of not getting a hit after he was writing songs there so he definitely carved out a name for himself to run into the world of funk but like i said it's it's very interesting that all of these groups were able to create their own sound their own signature sound even when you look at cool and the gang for like their hollywood swinging sound you know who that is when you listen to LTD and you hear the horns in a song like Back in Love, you know who that is. So I say that's why I say 70s, 80s because that's where you start to get more of that. And I feel like Marvin Gaye for his album Hear My Dear that became a big thing part of the whole divorce thing with Barry Gordy's um sister that was going to be his ex-wife and there was this whole thing about she wanted the proceeds to sales from that album to go towards her in that divorce settlement and the album ends up being a double um two 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 album release and um it didn't do as well as other albums that Marvin was known for like the iconic 
what's going on album, but I do like it. And I would advise if you are someone that likes something that's kind of funky, that's Marvin's best work as funk albums go. If you want to, because yeah, he did have like some songs that were in that funk realm. But if you want to hear another side of Marvin that takes it into that funk era, he gave you two albums for that. So, or two records for that, a, a double album. So yeah, there were a lot of people that were experimenting with a funk sound but I find it interesting that some were experimenting with it like I mentioned Marvin and others were almost just drenched in it to the point that they were considered to be just like a funk group if you look up what's that group that I just mentioned the raid and fantastic voyage um, why does the name of this group slip my mind now? Wow, I, I'm I'm drawing a blank. But Lakeside, my God, Lakeside. When you when you look up Lakeside and, and their music, it just classified as funk right away. That's that's their classification. I don't know if it says the same with Zap, but yeah, you hear those groups and most of their music is them experimenting in the funk element in all the different type of ways. Same thing with Bootsy Collins, which I think would have been a big influence for Thundercat and someone like George Clinton. But when I listen to Thundercat, he definitely has the heavy bass lines, the funk, and all of that. But also, he plays around with soul. He plays around a little bit with rock. And you get a, to me, it's a cohesive album, even though it's not funk all the way through. It's one of those type of albums that I feel like it goes very well together when you run from one track to another. But if you take it apart and you try to add like this song on a mixtape or whatever like that with other stuff, it would be hard to create a mixtape with other artists unless you found other artists that sounded a lot like him. But yeah, the funk era was very prevalent and I think that it did not get as much recognition as it deserved. And I think there are people that bring it back. Bruno Mars, clearly Uptown Funk, when he brought that into place, it hit on it. And I think when people hear those horns in anything, they like that type of, of, of sound to have that it's brassy. It it comes at you. It's loud. And I think that plays a big part in, in how people process the funk. Either you're someone that loves it 
and it gets you up and you're dancing or it gets you pepped up or maybe you clean the house with it. I don't know. Or if you're a person that likes more mellow ballads and things like that, then maybe it doesn't fit into your catalog. But for me, Zap and their stuff, more bounce to the ounce and even Roger's rendition of I Heard It Through the Grapevine with the talk box is just, yeah, I, I love that. I love that. And eventually his sound to me would become more reflective of what was the funk era of California later on. Which is odd because I think Roger may have been from Ohio or something like that. I'm, I'm not totally sure on that. But yeah, when we get into a G-Funk era and we're looking at Roger in the 90s when he's Tupac and the remix and all of that stuff for California Love, I feel like that, that flipped the switch in, in the funk era where it came from the West Coast, and it just had like a different type of sound there that I almost feel like it was embedded with Zap and Roger Troutman for everything going forward after California Love. But yeah, Funkified, The Brat, which to me does not dabble into a lot of the funk that I just discussed at all, but I like the title of that song and I had to just I couldn't talk about funk without also going into a song that was called Funkified. West Coast also had Funk Dubious. Funk was thrown around a lot. Andre 3000, he wanted to almost change his career from just rapping to being like someone that embraced the funk. So, yeah, there are a lot of people that become influenced by that type of funk era of the 70s and the 80s and I enjoyed it but a lot of it I had to go back as I got older and pay more attention to then but I definitely remember Atomic Dog as a kid because I can remember riding in a car with this music loving aunt I had two aunts the other one comes in to the picture later because she's more of a Anita Baker, Janet Jackson, Luther Vandross. She's that type of, she likes the ballads. And, and my aunt could get into the first one that I'm naming here, um, my aunt Naomi. She was very much into that, some of that stuff as well. But when it, when it, we talk about dancing, we're definitely talking about this aunt that that embraced George Clinton and Atomic Dog, and I can remember her riding down the road and playing it. And um, she didn't always have the, the best voice for that. That did not stop her from singing to the very top of her lungs and even making the dog sound effects that George Clinton presents in the song. But yeah, the funk era... If you haven't had a chance to dabble into that, if you are a young teen or whoever, and you're listening to Bruno Mars, 
uptown funk and you're thinking man this is old school bruno mars is bringing it back and now that song is old go back and check the originators go back and listen to what he was talking about when he was in that mode of the uptown funk or any of the songs that he had when he connected and they did silk sonic as you know him and anderson pack coming together Listen to those originators because that's where their influence was when it came to a lot of that music that is being produced now and kind of, you know, that's the era. You can't go back to it without knowing that it exists. So maybe if you're a new artist and that is the type of vibe that you want, it's cool to see Bruno doing it. It's cool to see whoever is putting it out. But always look at where the origination of that comes from, because that's your most authentic. That's the best you're going to get. These are the pioneers that I'm talking about that were doing it. So, hey, check it out. Check it out. Check those groups out when you get a chance. Anyway, off that soapbox, this is the DJ for Party of One, CL45. I'm signing out.